0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Law and Legislation Committee meeting. This meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum?
1: Councilmember Member Gatta, Here. Council Member Jennings? Here. Council Member Kaplan? Here. And Chair Valenzuela?
0: I am here. So for members of the public and chambers, if you wish to speak on an agenda item and are not an applicant, please fill out a speaker slip, which can be found at the back of the room over there, um, and turn that in before the item begins for public comment. And for members of the public joining us online and wish to speak, please raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. And if you are online outside oh, that's instructions for Zoom so I don't need to read that and you'll have 2 minutes to speak once you are called on. So before we begin the agenda, we'd like to do the land acknowledgment and pledge. Um Councilmember Kaplan, would you sure. do us the honors?
2: If we can all please rise. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan, people of the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plains Miwok, and the Putwin-Wintoon peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the Native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's Indigenous peoples' history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And remain standing for the pledge. Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag
3: of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands,
2: one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Councilmember Kaplan. All right. So on to our first business item today, which is the consent calendar, item one for law and legislation log. Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment on this item?
1: Um, it appears I have one hand raised online. Diana Garcia, are you wishing to speak on the consent
4: calendar? Hello, can you hear me? We can. Okay. Um, give me one second, please. This
1: is on the consent calendar for the meeting. Law, legislation, log. Is that what you're speaking on? Um, I'm speaking on the cannabis items. Perfect. That's later on the agenda. I have no more speakers. All right. Thank you.
0: Um, So, members, do we have any questions or comments about the log? Um, I'll move consent. I'll second. Great. Um, All in favor, please say aye.
3: Aye.
0: Aye. That passes unanimously. Thank you to our first discussion item, item two, selection of a vice chair. Thank you for your patience, since this is actually our second meeting, and now we're going to pick a vice chair um, for this committee. Um, so it's customary that the chair makes the nomination, and I would like to nominate Council Member James if he would accept that. Um, so, would you accept the nomination, Council Member?
5: If my colleagues, uh, excuse me. if my colleagues believe that I am. Appropriate to move into that position, I would love to accept the opportunity to do so.
0: Great. Any comments or questions on this item?
5: I'll Great. second
0: that item. All right. Great. So we have motion from Valenzuela and a second from Vice Mayor Garrett. Will you please uh, wait? We can do that by acclamation, it sounds like. All in favor? Aye. 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 Great. That passes unanimously. Congratulations, Vice Chair Jennings. All right, so moving now to the item that I believe everybody is here for today, item three um, on the update on our cannabis program. So while Davina heads up, I just wanna give a couple of comments here to frame, especially for my new colleagues. You know, we all know that we were an early adopter of cannabis and there wasn't a lot of best practices or things we knew back then. We were one of the first jurisdictions to establish a really robust program, but that's definitely no longer the case. We now have several years of experience and data, best practices we can look to in other jurisdictions. And we also have local industry leaders who have been evolving and become experts in their fields on this topic. The EPS study, which is lengthy, and I, but I do hope um, my colleagues have gotten a chance to look at that to refresh yourself, didn't just study the negative impacts, it also showed us what an asset this industry is in Sacramento. Not only was has it been a big economic driver that particularly continued to grow during the pandemic, it employs an incredibly diverse workforce. Um, but all of that said, we all know we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, so we started this conversation last year, but I do wanna put in place some current talking points. Um, you know, I just learned that, I think just a week or two ago, a large campus um, business here in Sacramento cure relief decided to close their Sacramento location which is obviously a huge concern Um, the ongoing inaction at the federal government level to address some outdated tax policies is having a pretty major impact on our businesses here Um, and then here locally I don't know if my new colleagues are aware our local cannabis businesses are actually the only businesses that pay unlimited BOT which means while large employers like Walmart cap at $5,000 a year some of our local cannabis businesses are actually paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in that um, in that tax fee. So beyond impacts to our legacy businesses, all of this is also having a real impact on our ability to right the wrongs of the drug war and to create a real business opportunities for our core program participants. We have some outdated zoning language that has led to these businesses being concentrated in certain parts of town, like Vice Mayor Guerra's district, which I just don't think is good policy. And we have new changes to state policy and practice that we want to align with to ensure that our administrative practices are at less burdensome as possible to the applicants who are subject to those requirements as well. We have some new and evolving research on our potential public health implications that I know our public health colleagues really want us to discuss, but we also have some new ideas and trends that we don't allow, like consumption lounges that I know we'd also like to explore. So I guess I wanted to say all of this to just communicate the depth and breadth of I know Davina is going to provide a very thorough overview today. This is not a voting item. This is a receive and file item, but I am hoping we'll have a pretty robust discussion as a committee so that we can get a feel for where we all are at and what we'd like to see some of these next steps be, because I do feel. A real sense of urgency and I think I've heard that pretty loud and clear from from the industry and from stakeholders across the board that now really does feel like a good time and we've worked on this all last year and you know we kept thinking we're gonna do it next month we'll do it and it's taken a long time which is fine um, but I do feel that sense of urgency for us to start having this conversation so that these businesses can plan and hopefully get set up for, for success in, in the long run so with that I will pass it over to Davina Smith to begin her presentation and I will note for folks in the public who saw the earlier item on the agenda where the chart was cut off on the side a new item has been uploaded so if you couldn't see all of the text in the boxes please take a look at that and I know Davina will review it as well but I got some questions like well I didn't know that needed to do this and I'm like it got cut off Um, so it looks like a different sentence than it actually was in the staff report but looking forward to your presentation and I hope my colleagues questions and comments after you're done
6: thank you Thank you very much, Chair, and I appreciate that introduction. Uh, My name is Davina Smith and I am the Program Manager for the Office of Cannabis Management. Um, This is the start of the fourth year that I have been doing this, and uh, it's the first time I've been here in a while in person, so I'm very happy to be before you all. Um, As the Chair did mention, unfortunately, we did have some technical issues, so I do encourage everyone to look at that supplemental that was posted to the agenda, uh, and that provides a lot more detail on the staff report. So we really wanted to come and talk about some of the updates um, that we have been working on for quite some time. We've got a lot of irons in the fire, as everyone can see if you've reviewed the staff report. Um, A lot of the first section of the staff report deals with um, recommendations and directions from council relating to the EPS report from last year. Um, Those involve ownership issues, land use, cannabis business caps, shared facilities and taxes. for the land use, I, I don't want to kind of go out of my lane, so my colleagues from the planning division are here. I've got Greg Sandlin and uh, Kevin Collin here, Conlin here if there's any questions, um, and they're, they've told me they're happy to answer any questions you may have in that regard. So the ownership piece that we brought via the EPS study was really to look at how can we um, streamline our ownership piece in a way that makes sense, that is uh, true to what Sacramento was looking to do, that doesn't overly burden our businesses, and how can we Try to align as much as we can with the state, given the fact that we do have something that the state doesn't have, which is our uh, one-person, one-storefront dispensary. And so, we had uh, some recommendations that were um, uh, approved by the council, and we're working with our um, county count- county council, city council at this time to bring those forward um, for future consideration by this committee and then to the council. For the land use piece, um, as you'll see, that was something that the the planning division has brought forward um, to the planning and design commission. That was really looking at issues surrounding um, whether the, the land use controls that we had originally enacted on our cannabis businesses still made sense. Did the zoning still make sense? Did the sensitive uses still make sense? Were these still serving us now that we're five years into our legalization program and permitting? For the cannabis business caps, that similarly was something that was adopted 2018, 2019 and kept being re-upped for delivery businesses. That has indeed expired and the council um, did not direct us to do anything to reactivate that. When it comes to uh, caps on um, cultivation and distribution businesses, those are still in place and those have been reached and that's, um, again, a planning function in our Title 17 code. But that is something that um, Council directed that the Planning and Design Commission consider as part of their um, process. We also brought forward the idea of trying to encourage shared facilities. Uh, Currently under state law, only shared manufacturing facilities are allowed. Other shared facilities for things like cultivation, distribution, um, retail, that's not currently allowed under the state. So one of the, the directions that we got from council was to talk to the state on this, see where we, if there's any wiggle room, if we can lobby them, work with them on maybe expanding different types of shared uses. Simply because that is a lower barrier of entry, right? If you can, if you can consolidate, then your costs are going to be lower, of course. So we've been working on that along with shared manufacturing. So we've been looking at trying to uh, expand shared manufacturing opportunities in the city, um, and we've been pretty successful. We've gotten, uh, we've luckily enough to have two businesses that have opened, and we're really happy with that, that they're offering shared manufacturing facilities. Taxes um, are something that we were looking at at that time last year. There were two bills. Um, at the federal level that was kind of looking at taking cannabis off the, the Schedule One, but also um, imposing fairly significant federal taxes. Um, luckily, unluckily, those, uh, those, those bills didn't go anywhere, right? Um, on the local level, um, our taxes have stayed at 4%. Um, so 4% VOT, um, as the Chair mentioned, regardless of the, the gross proceeds that are reported by the, uh, or the gross profits that are reported by the businesses. At the state level, there has been some relief, uh, particularly if you are an equity business. Um, There have been a number of of improvements that have happened there. Um, The collection point for taxes at the state level have changed um, to the retailer, which seems to make a lot more sense than the distribution uh, point, which was where it was before. And the the excise taxes have had a, a bit of a limit placed on them, so that's good. Other things that we've been working on apart from those issues that were directed to us um, by council are our cannabis equity study, and that is something that we um, had talked about um, as part of the EPS study, sort of a deeper dive into this issue. Uh, We've been working with our contractor, Applied Memetics. Right now they're in an interview stage. They've sent out surveys, and now they're doing interviews. Um, to really kind of get a sense of how our equity program is working, what the state of equity is in the cannabis industry here in Sacramento, and to figure out what can we do better to really help our equity um, businesses succeed. How do we get them in business and staying in business? It's not a success if someone opens a business and closes six months later. So we've been looking at how can we do that, what changes can we make, what improvements can we make to improve our equity business ownership in the city. Another core initiative that we've been working on is our um, marketing and outreach program and that is um, designed sort of with, with two focuses. One is to um, make sure more people in our Sacramento region know about the core program about the benefits that are available and help them determine if they're eligible and get them in and getting programming while they can um, if they're interested the other focus of it is to really inform consumers that if you're going to buy cannabis think about how you're spending your dollars and maybe you want to buy equity products and support equity businesses with your money so at this point we've been doing um, some we've done photo shoots we've done videos Um, We've got a logo um, that we've been giving out to our core businesses to put on their packaging to sort of certify that they're core businesses if people are looking for that. Um, And then we're going to start relaunching our um, equity mixers. So core mixers that are going to be happening quarterly. Another core um, initiative that we have been working on is our grant and loan programs. Um, As some of you may know, we do have a no interest six year loan program that we offer to our equity members. Um, that's been pretty successful. We've um, issued 99 loans for 58 core members over the past two and a half years. Um, in our grant program for our equity members, um, we've um, applied for and, and won um, over $11 million in grants over the past four years. Um, we just recently were informed that we will be awarded $1.56 million for the 2023 year. Uh, is the third highest award in the state, so we're very proud of that. Another core initiative that we are doing is our education and direct technical services initiative. And with that, um, as you may remember, we had two contracts with vendors um, that have recently expired. So we're looking to put those out to, to, you know, basically to get those services going again. So we're really happy. Um, we are working with Los Rios Community College District to put together a cannabis training program uh, we're going to start with our core program as a, as a pilot project and if it seems to work we're going to see if they're interested in opening it up. Um, I think it's quite, when we talk about, to back it up, when we talk about sort of um, getting accustomed to cannabis businesses and, and realizing that these businesses can coexist and, and uh, regulating and zoning not from a fear-based place but from sort of a practical business-based place it's interesting to work with Los Rios and see that they're kind of coming into that too that this they see this now as another business sector and that they're willing to work with us to provide educational programming for people to learn about you know the cannabis industry and to become cannabis small business entrepreneurs is very exciting and then as you was mentioned our on-site consumption um, we were directed by um, law and legislation last time to come back and um, present a a number of frameworks after our last workshop um, in front of you where we presented um, regulators from different jurisdictions that have permitted uh, on-site consumption facilities. Um, In order to put together those frameworks, we thought it was important to go out into the community and talk to people and figure out what people are interested in, what their concerns are. Uh, what they wanna see, what they don't wanna see. And so we've got, um, we've, we've been putting together three um, community meetings. Two are gonna be general community meetings, one in person, one virtual, and the third is going to be more um, a business meetings, so like um, business, business associations, PBIDs, uh, to get together and sort of talk about what they think would work, what they think wouldn't work. We wanna bring that to you along with the framework so you have a better understanding sort of what the zeitgeist is around that. So we've been working to put that together. Um, of course, permitting is one of our core functions. Um, we've just gotten through our busiest time of the year. Uh, November, January, and December are the dates are the months where we have the most probably renewals. And of course, that's when everyone's taking time off to be with family. So it's always a bit of a crunch. I'm happy to say we're, we're digging our way out. Um, and that's a, a great thing, because no one likes to, to, to have their permit late. Um, So we've been working on that. We've also been really working hard to sort of streamline where we can under our existing rules and to kind of do what makes sense. So we have already implemented um, some time-saving things. We used to require um, uh, forms to be filled out and submitted every time a business, a delivery business, hired a driver or fired a driver. So as you can imagine, we had businesses submitting these forms (laughs) monthly, weekly sometimes. Um, We don't require those anymore. We used to require every time a manager you know, a floor manager, an inventory manager, was hired or fired that these um, were reported to us. We don't require that anymore. So we're really trying to look at what do we really need to know and what do we not need to know. Um, And then finally, I did want to mention our um, youth cannabis um, education. So, um, you know, uh, while we are a cannabis regulatory, Uh, Office we also very aware that cannabis is not appropriate for for young people for growing brains developing brains Um, and So one of the things that we've done is um, you know early on in our in our development of our division We were directed to um, take two hundred fifty thousand dollars and preserve that for youth outreach and education Um, and so uh, we've recently, as of last year, partnered with um, the Office of Youth Development on their Future Forwards campaign, which is really exciting. Um, so, we've been working with them um, on their program um, to really kind of expand. And with our funding, with theirs, you know, it was really nice that we were actually able to, to see some, some uh, results. Uh, the, the data that came out of that study was really great. Um, it came to Council, um, the Office of Youth Development, I want to say it was um, on the 7th. Um, and, and uh, for their next year of funding, and it was approved. But um, their initial grant is from BSCC, so it's a, also a, a Prop 64 cannabis grant. Um, and then combined with our funding, it's, it's been really great. Um, I think they're planning to serve over 300 kids directly this year, um, and of course touch a lot more um, with the, the outreach that they do, so that's really exciting. I'm going to stop there because I know I can talk a lot about these areas and I feel like there are specific questions and I know there's a lot of people in the audience that probably want a chance as well. Um if there's any questions I can answer them now or if you want to have a discussion I can yeah, I think
0: um, we'll definitely hear from the public because I know there's a lot of folks in the industry that are waiting to chime in. And I hope for new colleagues, you, this is a big overview. It's all in the staff report though. So I hope you'll check that out. And um, you know, this is not right moment as you're hearing in terms of timelines. You've seen a lot of spring 2023, summer 2023. This work is happening now. So I hope this is a good opportunity for us to ask questions and give that input that the prior committee was able to give a lot of last year. But um, before we go to that, we'll go to comment, public comment on this item, Madam Clerk.
1: Thank you, Chair, Chair. I have six speakers so far. I just want to remind members of the public if you would like to speak on this item. If you're in council chambers, fill out a speaker slip. If you're in Zoom, please raise your hand. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips, and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. So the first speaker is uh, Trey Ish, Phil Blurton, and then Joe Devlin.
7: Good afternoon and uh, thank you so much for holding this meeting and, and listening to the uh, industry. Uh, my name is Trey Ish and my dispensary is Symbiotic Sacramento. We've been uh, in Sacramento since 2009, so we've not, not, uh, one of the f- we were one of the first. Um, I just want to let you know that the cannabis industry is hurting right now. Uh, wholesale prices are down and there's just a glut of product on the market and a lot of companies are going out of business. Uh, like you said Cura a a large company in Sacramento has relocated and I believe that more companies will relocate to other to other municipalities uh, with lower taxes um, unless the city tax is cut and the BOP fee is reduced Uh, you need to make Sacramento attractive for new and existing companies to do business in Sacramento. Uh, The city of San Francisco doesn't and has never charged a a, a tax on cannabis. And and as you know, the black market is is huge right now, and by cutting the city 4% tax, it'll lower prices and encourage people to purchase safe and legal cannabis. Um, Some cannabis items that are grown, manufactured, produced and sold retail in Sacramento are taxed four times one item so it's taxed from the from the grower it's taxed at manufacturing it can be taxed at distribution and then taxed at the retail so this the city gets to tax one item four different times so I really believe that the The city fee needs to be cut and the BLP fee needs to be reduced. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Phil Blurton. Good
8: afternoon. Thank you so much for being here for all of us. It's been a while since I've been here and there's some new faces since the last time I was here. But I appreciate you guys taking the time to hear us today. Um, Trade just pretty much covered everything I was going to say. Obviously, things are getting to be this last year has been extremely difficult. We've been here now, I want all about wellness. We've been, we're on our 14th year. This is the roughest year we've had, even from the first year. Um, these expenses do have to be brought down. And obviously, the core program means a lot to all of us. And something that I don't know is the whole Sacramento City Council and staff, do we, any of you guys know about 280E? No? 280 is something everybody's got to look at how many uh dispensary owners are in here
7: i just got honored by the irs i owe four hundred thousand dollars that a regular company would not
8: pay what about you guys 280e what it is read, read about it it allows us zero write-offs zero right now all about wellness owes five million dollars to the irs and if you look at them we pay all of our taxes. All of you guys that have been around a while, you know, all about wellness is in good standings. And if the core program isn't made aware of 280E, they're going to owe millions of dollars, and you wouldn't believe what I pay in attorney's fees and accountants. So I'm going to let everybody else talk about our local thing because you guys are in charge of our license fees and our taxes here. So I hope there's something you can do, but you guys read up on 280E because that's going to kill the entire industry.
1: Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Joe Devlin. Then we'll go online to Deanna Garcia.
9: Good afternoon, uh, members of the Council. Pleasure to be before you again. Um, Joe Devlin, this is an issue I've committed a great deal of time to studying and even um, completed my master's thesis on cannabis taxation. Um, The cannabis industry is currently in crisis. Uh, The industry is no longer economically sustainable, driven by excessive taxes, which caused an expansion of the illicit market, which in turn caused a collapse of commodity prices. Um, This problem is now clear today, uh, because in previous years, um, the excessive taxes were papered over by investment dollars and an overinflated commodities price. Um, Fundamentally, all of these issues stem stem from the same problem, which is that government treats this industry far different than any other. Ten years ago, the city began regulating cannabis to protect public health, improve public safety, and generate some revenue. We did much good in those early years. Um, We enabled an industry to grow, create 10,000 jobs, and generated millions of dollars in revenue, and for a brief moment managed to shrink the illicit market. However, Just because we did some good doesn't mean we got everything correct or that things haven't changed. Last year will most likely be the high watermark for jobs and cannabis tax revenue in the city. Companies have already left, just as mentioned with Kira, um, and they will continue to leave because they are dying, um, in a large part because the city charges them on average 39,000% more in taxes than any other business owner. 39,000% more. Um, If you run the numbers, one half of 1% of the city's businesses pay 68% of all the BOT. One half of 1% of all of the city's businesses pay 68% of the BOT, and it's simply not economically um, sustainable. Uh, Left unchanged, these businesses are gonna collapse. Thank
1: you for your comments, your time is complete. Thank you
9: so much. Our and next speaker is Deanna Garcia. Will return to- Thank you
1: for your comments. Thank you for your comments, Mr. Devlin. Our next speaker is Deanna Garcia.
4: Hi, good afternoon, Deanna Garcia. I am here to talk about four things that can help the crisis that you have just heard about. The city of Sacramento has the power to help this crisis that you are hearing about today. One, align ownership transfers with the state regulations. Remove the requirement for ownership transfers of only two times a year. No other business in the city of Sacramento has this restriction. Align the social equity core definition with the state of California's definition. So more core companies, can get the benefit of the social equity. The city of Sacramento has done a great core program, but there's a lot of people who can fall under this um, same same great program, but they're from another city. But if you are an uh, uh, applicant with the state as core, as uh, social equity, then the city should align their ordinance to um, to lighten that burden for the for the equity Um, we request that the grants um, program it's a beautiful program that there are some loans out there that these businesses have taken on and it's very encumbersome to pay back these loans we ask that these loans be turned into grants um, and so that way they are um, forgiven and um, that the planning department here in the city of Sacramento, please hire more staff. Um, we have one very awesome and um, very special guy, Robert, that sits there and, and helps us, but he needs a helper. And the city of Napa does not charge a cannabis tax. Thank you for your Thank time. you for your
1: comments. Next speakers, uh, Maisha Bahati.
10: Hi, good afternoon. Uh, Thank you so much for having this conversation. My name is Maisha Bahati. I'm the CEO of Crystal Nugs. We're the first black and women-owned cannabis delivery here in Sacramento. And we are soon to be opening our storefront dispensary on J Street um, this year. Um, I would agree with the previous callers that the industry is struggling very bad right now. There are people who will not be here at the end of the year. Taxes are a huge burden. We ourselves have a huge excise tax bill that we're gonna be paying soon and it's been really tight trying to prepare for that. So any tax break is is definitely, definitely, definitely needed. Um, In addition, I also wanna say that as a CORE participant, um, A, I wanna thank Davina and the city for trying to push CORE. Um, It's not a perfect program, but it is a program that I've been a part of since the beginning. I've taken advantage of every opportunity and you know it's definitely helped me get to this point so um, I would definitely continue to push core it is essential Um, it is definitely essential Um, lastly I just want to say I am very 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 hopeful that Sacramento will allow on-site consumption lounges Um, I think that's going to help retail it's going to be a fresh new approach it's going to generate some more tax dollars it's going to go in the flow of this kind of new you know, new entertainment, kind of getting people out, touristy kind of vibe. You know, the Sacramento Kings are really hot right now. Sacramento's on fire. And I think that it's time that Sacramento kind of moves with that with cannabis. So I really, really hope that you will be open to the idea of allowing on-site consumption lounges. I think that's going to be a great thing for Sacramento. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Kimberly Cargile and then Javier Hernandez.
11: Good afternoon. My name is Kimberly Cargyle. I'm the CEO of a Therapeutic Alternative, and I have been operating storefront cannabis dispensaries here in the city of Sacramento since 2006. My first comment is on ownership transfers. We really need to align the city regulations with the state regulations on ownership transfers. The state has spent significant amount of time, effort, and expense and public input to develop, to develop regulations that work. We've had them in place for five years without a complaint, and it does work. Um, So I encourage the city to align with that. It's very cumbersome on businesses to have to have two different sets of regulations that often conflict with each other, and ownership transfer is one of them. Um, I see here that you're proposing that it occurs no more than two times a year. Well, just so you know, this is the only way to get money into a cannabis business. We cannot get credit cards. We cannot get small business loans. The only way to bring investment into a cannabis business is ownership transfer by selling our shares. What if we need to do that three times next year? I don't know a single cannabis business in Sacramento that is doing well now. We all need to bring on investment. This is the only way to do it. Please do not restrict us any further. It is ridiculous. You don't do this for other businesses. Next, please align the core definition with the state Definition. There are many people here in the city of Sacramento who have been negatively impacted by the war on drugs, and yet many do not qualify for the poor definition because it is extremely narrow. For instance, the arrest has to be between 1980 and 2011. Okay, there is people who have been arrested in the 60s and 70s who have been negatively impacted. It, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. It's a very narrow definition. If you qualify for the state social equity program, you should qualify for the city's social equity program. Um, we absolutely need some time. Try- Thank you for your
1: comments, uh, your time is complete. Our next speaker is Javier Hernandez and then Mindy is our final speaker.
12: Hello, my name is Javier Hernandez, one of the owner operators of Umbru, a social equity delivery company here in Sacramento. Um, I just wanna echo what a lot of the other callers and people there have said um, the taxation is really killing us here as an industry. Um, The core program has been immensely helpful and has helped many businesses get up and running and stay up and running. And I think it's time for the city to really put their money where their mouth is. It really hurts me as a core business owner seeing that multi-billion dollar company like Walmart pays less taxes than social equity companies that are small businesses you know, it, it baffles me that we're paying multitudes more in taxes. Um, I just want you guys to really think about that and reevaluate. You know where your priorities where your priorities are, and put your money where your mouth is. I can see my time. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Mindy is our final speaker on this item.
4: <clears throat> Hi, thank you, Council. Um, so, I'm Mindy Galloway. I'm the CEO of i with, with retail manufacturing and distribution. For, um, and I'm a core operator. Um, for the past five years, I've been working to get my business sustainable. It is my life. I put everything into it, I put every penny I have, and I have a whole bunch of loans under my name. And um, things that make it easy for us is to serve and be able to work on our businesses and operate and make revenue instead of having to do so much paperwork. Aligning the definitions with the state would be extremely helpful. In this regard for the ownership transfers and then also for the social equity definition to be able to give opportunity to other small people who do not qualify but you know maybe different cities or that new the, uh, the struggle is financing investment any yeah it appears mindy lost um,
1: connection so Chair, I have no more speakers. Okay.
0: Thank you, um, Madam Chair, and thank you, everybody who came and called in. We'll now turn to the committee for discussion and questions. I see uh, Vice Mayor Garrett.
3: Uh, great. Thank you very much, Madam Chair, and I think for doing my new uh, uh, colleagues on the uh, Law and Legislation Committee, that this will be um, obviously a conversation that's always ongoing and going to be agendized, and so I, I think the learning curve will be steep, but one that... Um, That uh, I have full confidence in our staff to help um, our districts move forward here. First, I do want to thank Davina and her team. You know, I know it's been challenging. You've you've taken on a lot of work to get to where we are today. Uh, And again, I, you know, for those in the industry, I still want to remind folks in the county of Sacramento. Sacramento is still the one that's leading on this effort. And um, I don't see any other jurisdiction, the county or the other cities, that are that have taken that leap. And I do want to thank our city staff for uh, making sure that. Uh, that the city was moving forward uh, in a, um, a prudent and responsible way, uh, and uh, and for uh, particularly with with the issue of cannabis, uh, it's been the, the 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 standing kind of perspective in uh, prior councils that we look at at this by looking at uh, moving slow, seeing what works and what doesn't, adjusting when it doesn't, because uh, at the time it was a new industry. Uh, now. The city has actually been engaged in uh, in in the growth of this industry well before any of us were on the council. Uh, in fact, I think down to twenty was it twenty twelve? No, two thousand and nine. I think it was. I can't remember now the day the years. But um, and so I think you were on the school board at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, uh, Councilmember Kaplan, I think, had recently been elected to the school board. at well, seven years in, okay. So the, the, a, lot of this, a lot of these issues predate uh, many of us here, uh, but, um, but I think we've learned a lot. And one, uh, Prop 64, obviously, the people of California said that this is uh, an industry that, uh, that, uh, that they see uh, should be allowed here. Uh, obviously, the federal government still thinks differently. So while I hear the concerns about 280E, um, that I encourage you to continue to work with your uh, congressional members uh, and until then, uh, you know we work within the confines that we have here in the uh, here at the state and at the local level but prop sixty four also gave local authorities the ability to manage the industry as it saw it moving forward um, and I do think that we're at a point where um, you know I think that uh, we've learned a lot from the growth of the industry where uh, th- there's been overburdened some where we actually had gaps in fact and so I think some of the concerns that are brought up about uh, aligning our our um, uh, requirements with the state um, are are prudent, and so what I'd like to have staff is come back and say you know to show us uh, our standards versus the state standards, and if and if there are un- other unintended consequences by not aligning with the state. Now, why are they, these standards different? It's because we were ahead of the state. We are moving much faster than the state on many of these issues, and uh, and you know and figuring out uh, you know what works best. So. Um, to that effect, uh, I do think that, uh, you know, Deanna Garcia, Ms. Garcia, who's been consistently committed uh, also to making sure that there were diverse interests and diverse communities that were being involved in participating into the, in, in the, this industry, uh, and not just as we saw at the beginning of, of the, the, the passage of Prop 64, those who were well capitalized, more well off, uh, uh, getting into the industry, and now um, many of those like Ms. Cargile who were supporting local ownership and, and local support here. So I do wanna thank them for their, their issue, but uh, for their comments about figuring out how do we better align that and, uh, and addressing that the ownership transfer is a significant challenge because of still the, the, the loan um, uh, issues and the access to capital issues here. Um, I wanna highlight again the work and I think this committee, while it's a more of a land use and regulatory entity, consistent at least in my opinion we should still be consistent in engaging on the youth um, education component of it um, there is a reason why we allocated 250 grand to start working on this and is, and that's because we still have challenges much like we do with tobacco or alcohol but none, nonetheless we have a responsibility I think uh, even if the voters of California prove this that that uh, we continue our efforts on youth education and talking about uh, the impacts. And I want to continue the effort of working with our health care experts. So I'd like to actually, uh, and we've talked about this last year, but the calendar was pretty full, uh, making sure that we bring our public health experts for a conversation about um, the, uh, the impacts of, of, of cannabis and uh, youth and, and, and marketing all of the different aspects of that. Uh, on the um, going back on the on the licensing fees, on streamlining the reporting, um, you know some of the reports that we uh, we required and obligations required were were excessive, at, maybe in today's point, but I think in the beginning we weren't aware how the industry was going to grow, and I think we've learned a lot from that. And and the feedback loop that's happened by the industry meeting regularly with our city staff to find out which reporting requirements are effective and which ones are not. Um, If our staff, frankly, if our planning staff and our city staff are consumed by, you know, monotonous work that isn't actually producing something and some of that city staff could actually be doing work in our housing division or whatnot, I mean, there's also a balance of where is our, the best use of our staff and staff time. So I'd like to uh, ask uh, that as as we come back to Vena, let's think about, you know, are there processes or are there requirements or reports that are redundant where it's basically the same report that we get um, after, uh, over and over again um, that don't provide any uh, added value or information that, that that protects public health and public safety. Uh, I think it, it has been onerous not only to the, the businesses that produce the report, but then onerous to our staff that could use that staff time more valuable. Um, uh, at this, I, I also want to, you know, uh, you know, recognize that, that it that this last year has been tough, and uh, partly, you know, I think uh, at the at the state level, the enforcement of the illegal market is, is a critical one. Uh, I I thank our code officers here and our city team and our um, our JFN team for making sure that we were doing everything we could, uh, at least in the city of Sacramento. To go after the uh, the illegal market that was basically gutting homes and uh, creating an, un- an inhabitable area in many of our low-income communities, uh, but still that tends there still continues to be a challenge on the enforcement side. Um, that that doesn't help anyone. So with that, my last comment, uh, Madam Chair, is uh, is to ask our um, our uh, our GR team to. You know, continue I know it's in our uh, I think it's in our platform already but to continue to advocate on making sure that the state is working on the enforcement of the illegal market because there are a lot of folks particularly our core members who are putting a lot of resources early on to follow a path that were set forth by the voters of California and by this council uh, and it's uh, and unfortunately it's not fair for those who have taken the right path and all of a sudden uh, are uh, losing out because of Um, lack of control of the illegal market. With that, um, uh, I know this is a receiving file, but those are some comments there that uh, I hope uh, uh, will help uh, move us forward here. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank
0: you, Vice Mayor. Do any of our other colleagues have questions or comments? Vice Chair Jennings, go ahead. Uh,
5: So if I'm honest with you, this is a lot to take in. (laughs) And um, as a new member of the uh, Law and Ledge Committee, um, I think You guys have done a great job of of getting to this point. But when I hear um, all the great things that are going on, um, the low interest loans and the core program and the equity members and all the community meetings that we're going to have, I hear the great things that are going on and and I applaud you for that. I'm still trying to perplex because I'm hearing from the public that the industry is hurting right now. that more will relocate out of Sacramento uh, than stay here, and that um, we need to make Sacramento more attractive uh, to the businesses. So I heard you loud and clear uh, to those who came up and spoke. um, And I think for those of us who are new, we're trying to figure out what can be done to address the issues that we heard here today. Uh, Industry is not sustainable. And uh, government treats it far differently than any of the other businesses. And so uh, I'm trying to figure out like what is our next step? Is the next step to have a workshop to be able to address these? Because we certainly don't have enough time today based on the schedule that we have. But what is our next step as far as being able to address some of the concerns that we've heard as well as some of the things that we're talking about doing and the timeline of that happening?
0: So. I, I appreciate that question, Vice Chair. I'll chime in briefly um, and preempt my comments a little bit. But, you know, you'll notice on the chart that the one item that doesn't have a super active one is going to come back is the taxation question. Um, you know, Councilmember Member Chenier, former Chair Chenier of this committee, got the city attorney's opinion that we don't need to go back to the ballot if we want to adjust the tax rate um, as long as it stays within that 4%. And so there is a question of whether we'd like an item to come back to law and ledge for us to consider adjusting that tax rate. We could go higher. We could go lower, um, and really have a discussion with our finance team about what that would mean and what we would expect and hear from the industry and partners on that. So that is one potential next step we could take that I wanted to suggest. Another potential next step, because you heard both the taxation rate and you heard talk about licensing. And you know our fees are based on cost. And, and so I know that staff do a good job of trying to break out what those fees are based on. And so I think my question that I was gonna ask Davina, and I don't know if she wants to come up and answer it now, was have we, re- have we looked at that now with the EPS study, you know, the EPS study talked about sort of real impacts versus what we thought might be impacts early on. Have we gone back to our licensing fee process to see if there are adjustments that should be made now that we know maybe what might not be needed moving forward, you know, like we anticipated a lot of PD time, for instance, and if that's less now than we thought it would be, then maybe that warrants an adjustment to that discussion. So I'll let Davina speak to that, but those, those would be one of my suggestions, um, Vice Chair. Thank you. I appreciate the uh,
6: opportunity to come up and address that issue. Um, so our office um, uses permitting fees to support not just our office, but approximately 20 positions throughout the city. Um, those are positions, of course, in um, in code enforcement, um, our city attorney's office. Um, Right now we have building um, that we're paying um, and so there's, uh, in revenue, and so we have been looking at those because um, in all honesty, we could use additional personnel in in my office. We do think it's uh, in the next year or two time to do uh, a new fee study to determine where we are with our fees. But um, we do see when we forecast out that we're going to be um, upside down, basically. So we need to look at, at, at how many positions we're supporting citywide where we can cut back and where we really need to focus. Um, our goal is absolutely to lower fees if we can. I think the industry would certainly appreciate that. And and um, if we can do that, we want to do it. But that is an issue. Um, but that's something that we need to look at and of course work with our various city partners. Because if we've been supporting positions in another department um, and we're no longer able to do that, then that's of course a hit to that department. So that's something we need to consider. Um, so I can, I can certainly, um, you know, report that that's what the work that we're doing right now. Um, when it comes to um, taxes in general, we're happy to come back if, if, if that is the direction um, with a tax issue. Um, I think one of the things that we'll need to do is work with, again, um, the Revenue Division and perhaps the City Manager's Office is, you know, every time we, we decrease, if we decrease our tax, which has been 4% across the board since the program began, um, that, those, those funds go into the general fund to fund general city services um, historically. And so um, there has to be a replacement found for that. Um, additionally, our Measure L that was just passed takes 40% equivalent of BOT to fund youth programming. So if we're lowering taxes, there has to be an acknowledgement that there will be less funding available for those programs, um, which is something, of course, that your committee and the council can choose to, to, to do. Um, just to be aware that those are sort of the trade-offs that happen. Um, we are seeing um, uh, Some businesses consolidate Curly, for example They had purchased some additional businesses in the area and decided they wanted to consolidate their operations We do see businesses closing up. I think this is sort of a shakeout um, You know sort of the green rush kind of shaking out and sort of figuring out what businesses can succeed and what can't and We do currently have approximately 140 permit applications pending. We've approved Um, About 287, so we have 287-ish cannabis businesses that are currently operating and another 140 applications in the pipeline, just to give you a a scale. There's no follow-up? No, I
0: appreciate that, and um, Vice Chair, I want to make sure that answered all of your questions because I think, yeah, the trade-off's two sides. Like, yes, you might see less revenue, but obviously if we see businesses fail to take off or potentially shut down, then that's also less revenue, and so we're trying to find that sweet spot there. But, Vice Chair, I wanted to make sure if you had any other okay okay thank you um councilmember kaplan
2: thank you chair um i agree councilmember jennings this is a lot i've been spending um a lot of time going back through past law and ledge um, agenda items and the eps study was really helpful um the hard part is is finding out exactly what was the direction from that um so one of the things that i've as i've reviewed this and i thank you davina and your staff um, mentoring, mentioning Measure L. I think it's really important as we go forward, we also have to acknowledge how Measure L plays into everything that we're doing so anything we're looking at i think we have to look at how measure l fits into this because we're starting our budget discussions and it is general fund and money has been moved over from the general fund so how does that all fit together because i hear what our businesses are saying and so for me i um well eps did a good job um, I think the request of side-by-side alignment of between state and um, city regulations, where can we align? Um, you know, we know the illegal market has existed for a very long time, um, so urging the state to, to do something about that is important. Um, I think it's important that we get started, um, whether it's a fee study or a side-by-side. Um, I know a couple of cities were used, but... Um, Do each of those cities tax while we tax at 4%, which is generally lower than some other cities, are they taxing at each level and at each stage if it's especially something within the Sacramento region? Um, I am very supportive of our core program. I look forward to getting the study back Um, you know, we've had over 300 core applicants. How many are in business today? How are they succeeding? But I'm also very concerned with our core applicants because they can't get credit cards and it's hard to find investment that they end up um, selling to a big player. And and cannabis has the potential to become where certain people gobble everybody up and there's an Amazon that controls everything. So I'm very conscientious of that and wanna make sure how we do things, we're protecting our core members and protecting local over everything else. So if we look at how we increase ownership transfers that we are not diluting our core applicants and our core members, um, because it is important to support local as well as that social equity, and I am open, if we have such a narrow definition of what qualifies as core, I think we should come back uh, and look at that. Why we just say a certain amount of time you've been arrested? You know, if somebody's been around a lot longer, why are we discriminating against somebody who might be 60 who was arrested back then is outside of that? That, that time frame, who could still qualify as a core applicant. Um, it's a lot of information, but I think what, um, how I look at things is I really need to say what's been done before, how can we streamline it, if we know revenue is going to go down, how does Measure L impact all of this, because it's going to affect the city, and how does it align with what Davina and her staff need, because she also requested you know, that potentially looking at the fees and getting another staff. So I think we really have to, this is not only policy, but looking at how it aligns with the budget as well, because decisions we make policy-wise, I want to understand the um, budget impact.
0: Thank you all for those comments. I do have a couple of questions, Davina, so I'll give you a moment to come back up to the podium. But I think um, what I'm hearing loud and clear and I appreciate is that we're all very interested in a sustainable industry and what that means, not just for our budget and for the funding that's now set aside for youth programs, but what that means for the business owners and the employees that are here in our city. And um, completely agree with you, Council Member Kaplan, that the more it can be core folks and local folks and making sure they stay front and center, the, the better. But it is quite the the quagmire, as um, Davina has has helped us understand of how to even figure that out sometimes, but um, I do have a couple just quick questions, Davina, about trends that you're seeing. Um, You know, I I mentioned Cura closing. I know there's been some other closures and you mentioned people that are in the pipeline. Like, what are you seeing in terms of trends? You know, are folks closing down or folks removing applications? Like, how, how does it look from your side of the table when you're looking at these permits come through?
6: Yeah, I think um, probably in the last six months, we have seen more businesses, um, honestly, closing than we have um, in the last four years. Um, I think a lot of that is um, businesses that were undercapitalized and just, you know, again, it was part of the green rush where they thought it was, you know, money could be printed. And a lot of those applications were submitted back in 2017, 2018, early 2019. And because it takes a while to become operational, they just weren't able to sustain themselves. so I think I think that's really what we are seeing, um, which is another reason why we're really trying to push for where can we find economies of scale with shared facilities, where can we find these places, um, where can we assist people in in doing that. Um, so you know I think that that we are trying to do things that will help, um, but I think there's also a change in the sort of post-pandemic consumer trends as well. Uh, what I'm I'm hearing from my colleagues in other places is that when people are are buying, they're they're, they're just buying, they're buying, but they're buying less, right? They're buying less expensive stuff. Um, and I think that's that's something that we have seen before. I, I know in the alcohol industry after the, the recession in 2008, people were still buying alcohol, but they were buying a, a lower quality, lower, lower price point um, purchase. And so I think that's also what we're seeing. Um, you know, I think that um, having the possibility for on-site consumption, lounges or other kind of areas where people can do that, or... Opening up um, events, cannabis events outside of Cal Expo, which we currently have, um, are possible areas of growth um, where we can kind of go into and, and have a new permit type and allow more businesses to to open in that area. And I think there's a lot of people who would be really interested in doing that. Um, so I think I think there's some some trends and some hopeful things, but I think there's also you know this is sort of a reckoning. Yeah. I, I think I think there's no doubt about that. And since I have this for a minute, I just want to remind everybody and for everyone back here, it would be great. We have a, we do have a, a general cannabis stakeholder meeting tomorrow uh, from 3 to 5. It's it's online. We're going to be talking about a lot of these things. So I'd, I'd love to see a lot of the people in the audience that may not attend. I'd love to see you guys online there. So I'll just put that plug in.
0: Um, no, I appreciate that. And my next question might be for you or it might be for yeah. Assistant City Manager Lainey Milstein around revenue trends um, in terms of the BOT revenue. Um, you know, I'm not sure what we're... Observing, has it been consistent, higher, lower? Yeah.
12: <laughs> Good afternoon, Laney Milstein, assistant city manager. Um, what we've seen in the first five months, revenue was down 25% year over year. When we added December, it was a much better month. We're only down 20%. But I think, as Davina indicated, it is very much at that reckoning point, I think. One of our speakers commented that um, the prior year was probably a high for us, um, no pun intended, and that we are gonna be regulating from there. I think that the um, pandemic created some very interesting behavior around this industry and the market and that that we will see that in our revenues. So this is something that we're watching very closely, not only because it is, uh, you know, 20 million plus revenue to the general fund and now the shift of the 40% of measure L away from the general fund There's two holes to fill right so so we have to fill both of those one of the other things I wanted to comment on and, and You know one of the things you've all have asked for if I may around alignment with state requirements our one person one permit especially on dispensaries Completely prevents that we cannot align to the state It is not a possibility. So unless this committee is considering recommending changes to the council around that rule, that's not something we're gonna be able to achieve. Mm -hmm. And it's something we should probably know sooner rather than later because I know Davina is gonna be working on things around ownership changes that we can do and ways to simplify. But absent that change in one person, one permit, we really can't align. Um, So just something to um, keep in mind.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that and if I recall I think where we left it was that we were going to shift away from one person one dispensary to the five percent rule is that um, ringing a bell at least that's what it's written in the staff report
6: (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's all right Um, so what what was proposed was a five percent like you couldn't own more than five percent in more than one dispensary um, and, and the idea behind that was to try to promote investment. You heard some of the callers talk about that was a way of raising capital. And so that was, that was submitted as one option, and the council directed us to, to move forward on that. Um, now, what the new council may do, I don't know, but um, our, our plan is to bring that forward and see um, if that is still something that, that is, is desired. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think to Councilmember Kaplan's point, I think because there has been such turnover on the council presenting the full menu, like maybe you're bringing forward an item that has one option, but that gives us the flexibility, obviously, this committee and the full council to provide different direction as it moves forward to say, hey, we've thought about it and we think two times is too restrictive or whatever the conclusion might be. So I know you're on track to bring that back to us, but I guess in the staff report, maybe presenting some of this narrative so that the new council members on this committee, but also at the full council can weigh in on the full menu of options. Um, and the core piece, I know that's a little different than um, the ownership piece, but the core definition question of whether we should potentially adjust that to better align with the state incentives, I'm curious.
6: Yeah, and that, that's another issue where um, I think we need to be, so So the to, just to provide a little background, the state only recently provided a definition of social equity members. And, and the reason they did it was because they wanted to um, provide either waivers or um, deferrals for their state application fees and their their yearly renewal fees, um, and so they came up with a definition that is actually fairly similar to ours. Um, it it, do, it is a, it is a little more open, but it's 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 based upon ours, quite frankly. Um, in talking with our um, our uh, community equity grant people, the people who give us our, our grants every year that we that we. Um, uh, uh, you know, try to get from the state. Um, they have told us that they are going to be looking at next year's grant around dilution of um, those categories. Um, they said that they have seen trends in some jurisdictions where um, the equity categories have been so diluted that, you know, it's really... an it's not confined to those who are impacted by the war on drugs. Um, and the example they gave literally was um, survivors of domestic violence, um, veterans with no other you know, kind of thing, just the fact that you're a veteran, um, you know, and some other categories that other jurisdictions have chosen to include as part of their equity definition. Um, we have not. And the state definitely was telling us to be, just be wary of that. Um, as part of the equity study that's coming back, we've asked them to look at our original equity study which did look at um, arrest rates during that particular period and and just that that particular period was was chosen because that 's when the war on drugs was at its most it was at its height where a lot of the the, the, the penalties were were the biggest and so we stop at two thousand and twelve because Um, The legislation that came in that year decriminalized possession of less than an ounce of cannabis. And that's a lot of times what people were popped for, right? Just having half an ounce of cannabis on their person just for personal use. And so that's why 2012 was the cutoff. Okay.
0: But and it sounds like that's yeah. part of the equity study, so we'll be able to have that discussion when that part of the study comes back. Yes. So then it's, you're bringing back ownership already, check, you're going to bring back the full options. We've got the equity study on deck, so we can talk about that. Um, I think I'm hearing, and I'm, I am all some nods around interest in bringing back a taxation item so that we can have that conversation. Obviously, we're not voting on anything today, but it sounds like, and I'm hearing from the industry pretty loud and clear, and in general with our revenue trends, I think it would be good for us to step back and take a look at that and maybe think about potential adjustments and whether that could help grow more cannabis businesses, which would bring more revenue, or maybe it doesn't. And, and that's why I say that sweet spot is, is one that I know I'm really interested in hearing about. Um, you mentioned that you're already looking at a fee study, which is great. Um, so I know that was a question that was brought up in light of some of the EPS study findings, as I mentioned. Um, I know Councilmember Member Vice-Marguerra has talked about public health experts um, and streamlining reporting, some of the admin stuff you are already doing. And I'm looking at my list here to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. But I think those are the big things. You're already working on the land use and zoning. You're already working on ownership, bringing those things back. But the big issue here is the taxation, the fees, and making sure that we're looking at these equity questions and continuing to do the work that I know you're doing to try to listen to stakeholders and adjust um, so that you're making this work for folks. But did I miss anything, colleagues, on the dais? That sounds good. All right. Oh huh do we more yeah are you bored um no do you want more work <laughs> sorry <laughs> um uh thank you so much i know you're a small but mighty team davina but um, really looking forward to working with you on this this year and and as as the vice chair mentioned industry stakeholders we hear you loud and clear um we're we're going to start working on this and we'll work with davina's team to try to get this back as as soon as is reasonable for us to bring this back so thank you thank you very much Okay, so that is it for item three. We'll now move on to comments uh, or questions off the agenda. So Madam Clerk, do we have any public members registered to make comment on this?
1: Yes, I have one speaker slip from Teresa Rutherford.
0: Welcome, Teresa.
13: Thank you, and is it afternoon? Yes, it is. And thanks for having us. So I'm here. First of all, my name is Teresa Rutherford. I am the president of SEIU 1021. I'm also a nurse. And I'm here to speak and advocate for the passing of Senate Bill 525, which would provide a minimum of $25 for healthcare workers. As we know, the cost of living in the Bay Area and in Sacramento has gone sky high. Many of these workers are now not able to take care of their own families as they try to serve the community and do the job that they're committed to and love. And so we want to make sure that SB 525 is passed. This is a statewide priority for SEIU 1021. And it's also important for Sacramento City to lead the way locally that this will send a very strong message in support of workers, but it will also set the example and set the bar We cannot afford to lose any more healthcare workers in California. As we know, they are integral to us continuing to open up our economy and move out of the pandemic, but they're also integral to being able to service the community. I know this is not on the agenda today. That's what I understand, but we hope that you will prioritize this um, discussion in a future agenda. It is imperative. It is critical. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Teresa.
1: I have no more speakers. Excellent. Do my
0: colleagues have anything off agenda you'd like to raise? Well, I will note the health minimum wage is on our log. It was noted as a cannabis item, though, so I hope we can change that for the next right. agenda because it's a little bit broader than that. Um, but anyways, with that, our meeting is adjourned. See you all in a few minutes. Was
3: well, that medical cannabis? Or- yeah, yeah, medical cannabis only. <laughs>